Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of The School for Dumb Women. It's nearly the end of the summer, and dumb summer camp is nearly over. But don't worry, the new term starts next week and is literally no difference, apart from now we've snogged a boy or a girl. I'm your host person, Hannah Farrell, and I used to get told off by dinner people for not eating my crusts. With me is human comedian Alexandra Haddo. Hi Hannah. That's school I used to get told of being too distracted. Oh, a bird! And can't wait to grow into her Clark's shoes, Caroline O'Donoghue. Hi Hannah, they have a key in the heel, so I'm the most special. You are so cool. I know. This week we're tackling geography, biology and design technology. Oh look! The Bell of Academic Clarity is back from its holidays in the Algarve. Did you have a nice time? <laughs> oh, Belle. <laughs> Classic Belle. I love you, Belle. I missed you, Belle. Well, I think we can safely say that that won't make it into the edit. Let's get started. Dummy, 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 dummy. Alex, you're a delicate child, aren't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I am, Hannah. And this week, your segment is about being a delicate child. It is. It's based on a personal experience, which I had quite recently. Um... I was on my way up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, yeah, I was on the train up there and uh, taken taken ill the night before. <laughs> had a, I had a, had a fever. I was feeling hot and cold, sweaty, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, really shit. And uh, then on the train up there, it was getting worse. And I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I got up, did a wee, had a successful wee. On the Fine. train? On the train. Great. In the train allocated toilet. Door didn't open on you? No, nope. locked the door. It was an old train as well, so it wasn't one of those ones where you're unveiled like a prize on a quiz show. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and then I sat back down and was texting my sister, who's a paramedic, saying, I'm really ill, what's going on? And uh, then my eyes, despite being opened, clouded over with black spots until the black spots <gasps> took over my whole eyes, but my eyes were open. Ooh. At this point, I'm freaking out and thinking, well, I'm going blind. And then I woke up sort of slumped on the train wall. You know what I mean? Why can't Were I describe this? Were you sat down? At- I was sat down, thank goodness. Slumped against the window? Slumped against the window, yeah. Um, and oh it like completely covered, I mean drenched in a cold sweat. And I'd, it, it's really weird fainting because I hadn't worked out that I'd fainted until maybe 10 minutes after because it's such a weird... Yeah. It's like being put an- under anaesthetic. You kind of don't... Even though I was still mm. in the same place... And I was probably only out for, I don't know, 20 seconds, I think. Um, and I was on my own as well. Uh, you, you don't kind of realise what has happened. It's like you've been in a sort of dream state. It's really weird. Yeah. 
and you've got amnesia, not um, proper amnesia, but you don't know how you got there or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. You're all very spacey. Um, so I decided to do fainting today. What is fainting? What do you guys right. think? I've got a very weird experience fainting. Why? In that me and my brother used to practice making each other faint when we were kids, and I only now have realised that other people didn't do that with their brothers. But how can you make yourself faint? So what we used to do is we'd put, like, whoever was going to be the person who was fainting. Yeah. You put your head between your legs for, like, a minute. You wait for all the blood to rush to your head. And then the other person puts their hand on your throat, (gasps) holds you against the wall until you faint. And me and my brother Rob did this for fun. We thought it was fun and cool. Did you properly faint? Yeah. And it's exactly how you just described. It's that thing of, like, you don't realise that you fainted until about ten minutes after you fainted. It's very strange. We had a fainting thing that went around in our primary school. I wasn't cool enough to take part, but I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. And it was something to do with, like, you breathe in uh, heavily lots of times. And then someone, like, I'm not sure, like, holds your holds your chest somehow. Yeah, or, like, it's, it's about squeezing you. the air, isn't it? Yeah, right? and, then, and then you faint. And that was apparently... Uh, people liked doing that that was the thing I think um, yeah. I think fainting sort of epidemics happen in schools quite a bit I think kids get quite into it don't they it's a bit culty isn't it's it it's like Salem yeah. witch trials yeah but with fainting I guess yeah okay well I've I've only fainted twice uh, so this was the only second time ever and I was still freaked out because I kind of I didn't realise what happened um, and yeah essentially fainting is when there's not enough oxygen in your blood uh, in your brain sorry um, and your blood pressure is usually dropped for some reason, like I had a fever, et cetera, et cetera, or you've got up too quick or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so what your brain does is just sort of selectively start shutting down bits so that it can reboot like the core areas and then build you back up again. That's oh my why God, literally wow. like a laptop. Yeah, basically. And so that's kind of, you know, that's rational. But I was like, why do you lose your sight? Why do you black out? Because I blacked out but was conscious before I lost consciousness. So why does that happen, yeah. you think? But What's it needs to keep you like breathing and your heart beating and all of that stuff. That's yeah, of the course. kind of most important bit, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so it's weird that it would choose you being conscious but not able to see. Yeah, so what it does is it, it takes away like the blood that powers your eyes. <laughs> so that you... So that it's, it, you need it's, that it's, blood. It's shutting down to such a base level that it's like, right, take away that take away um you know that's why you fall over because you haven't got enough take away your muscles yeah yeah you haven't got enough oxygen to power your whole body usually you are only out for like 20 seconds it's actually really quick fainting um it, sh- it should be you know in like a normal sort of i've just fainted and there's no underlying issue mm-hmm. sort of thing um because that's you know then your body kind of it regains it and then it sort of starts you up again it is like being restarted um and it's it's really really strange it's a very strange thing so it kind of you know, sometimes it will accidentally sort of take away the sight. Well, usually it will take away the sight before it takes away the consciousness because then that's like a, a level lower on like, because, you you know, consciousness is more important. So like sometimes I've like almost blacked out if I've stood up too quickly because I've got very low blood pressure, but I won't faint. Yeah. But I'll be like, oh, I've gone a bit, you know, um, mm, yeah. your vision goes a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like, it's like the pecking order basically of shutting your body down. Wow. Wow. So when you get up too quickly and your vision goes woozy that's like the very beginning stages of yeah. fainting yeah. yeah like when you see like purple spots and yes. stuff yeah yeah it's like your brain being like oh shit divert <laughs> and uh, quite a lot of people apparently thank goodness I didn't have this because uh, I my main fear in life ever is vomiting uh, but quite a lot of people vomit after they faint or sometimes before but I think mostly after they wake up and they feel nauseous and they vomit or they vo- they can vomit beforehand and uh, I asked my sister Charlotte Charlotte Haddo if you're out there paramedic 
Um, very proud of you. I said to her I said to her I asked her today I said what's the vomiting thing because I couldn't find anything online about it like and that it doesn't seem to make any sense the vomit thing right with with the fainting uh, explanation why would you need that and that's expelling energy etc and my sister said it's because so you you probably would won't vomit if you haven't got anything much in your stomach but what your body does in a, in a split second is make the decision it doesn't have the oxygen in the blood and the blood to digest all the food in your body <gasps> wow. so it expels oh. it out so it expels it out so it doesn't have to digest anything so that it can use that energy to like power your brain oh back up oh my god the human body's mental i know right so good it's crazy so so good so yeah fainting's fainting's mad and weird but um, a lot of other people, like my friend uh, faints on the reg, she told me this week when I told her I was doing this, really dangerously, and she split her lip open recently because she <gasps> oh, fainted goodness. in Morocco onto a tile floor. She's so aware of it now that she knows when she's fainting and she usually can sit down and like lie oh, down wow. as quickly as possible and kind of stave it off. But um, she was in Morocco with her uh, boyfriend, who is a very, very capable very much like a doer he's yeah. you know very on the ball and she walked out of the bathroom and she said I, Charlie I think I'm gonna faint and she didn't make it to the bed in time she was walking over to the bed because she thought I'll just fall on that and she hit the tiles and oh. split her lip and so she had a really uh, deep gash in her lip and Charlie had to carry her to the hospital in Morocco <gasps> and then in Morocco they were sewing her lip up and whilst he was watching them sew her lip up he fainted <laughs> Aww, oh no so she woke so up cute. she woke up and he was in the bed next to her and they were like <laughs> they were french speaking apparently they were like um uh, madame you are your boyfriend he has fainted also <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that is the cutest story they're like fainting goats oh like fainting goats oh my god oh. are you gonna explain fainting goats to me Oh, did you not research fainting no, goats? Absolute bellend. But yeah, basically, also most fainting is caused by the vagus nerve, which we've mentioned before. It's yeah. a willy nerve. It's yeah, a willy nerve episode. Yes. Yeah. So, um, guys, keep your willy hydrated, <laughs> so you don't faint. Sure. And why do some people faint when they see blood? Is it just like the idea? Yeah. They just sort of like, oh no, because it isn't it like when you see blood, you think maybe it's come from you, and so you faint in order to like conserve your blood pressure or something weird like that yeah I don't know fun theory though into the theory yeah me too yeah maybe that it's you you're seeing the gore around you but I think that's more of a like a mental shutdown because you don't want to see it but your body doesn't want to see it because it doesn't because it doesn't want it to happen to it but yeah yeah, but it makes no um no sense from like a darwinism level because like if you if a threat's happened to you like you've had your bloody arm slashed open yeah like the the best thing for you to do survival wise is not to pass out there and then the best thing for you to do is to flee or fight I don't know maybe it's assuming that there's other people with you who can like do a tourniquet and stuff oh maybe (laughs) wrap you up that's another good word tourniquet basically what we can learn from this section is that I was so wrapped up in my own experience I only researched medical fainting okay (laughs) I mean that was a pretty fucking scary experience I'm glad you're okay now yeah thanks pal it was Concern for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, I'm not glad it happened, but I, I will know next time not to freak out. I'll know what's happening, and yeah. I will sit down or lie down because that is the top tip, guys. So, dummies, listen up. If you think you're gonna faint, get as close to the floor as yeah. possible before you fully faint. Get on, get the, on the floor. floor. Do not faint. What's the Will I Am song that you didn't hear? <laughs> Thank you.
Well, now that Alex's transition to school nurse is fully complete, Hello. Uh, let's move on to our Women Who Code Mixer. Yay! So in today's Women Who Code Mixer, we're going to learn about a darker corner of the internet, and that is computer hacking. So, guys, what do you think hacking is? It was a film starring Angela Jolie in the 90s called Hackers. Not her best work. Um, But basically, lots of people with leather jackets, eyeshadow and black hair gel sit at computers and say, I've hacked the mainframe. And then (laughs) and then you're in the mainframe and then we can get all the codes. Yeah, I thought I remember that film now. God, that aesthetic was strong. Yeah, it was good. Bad film. Yeah, I mean, good sure. fucking aesthetic though. I thought it was a type of cough, a hacking cough. Oh yeah, yeah. like an old man cough. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 well, that's the most traumatizing thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so hacking is when a group of smart men who don't like sunlight uh, try to ruin other people's fun online. Mm. So there's this whole subculture of people who enjoy the intellectual challenge of creatively overcoming limitations of software systems uh, to achieve novel and clever outcomes, at least according to Wikipedia. Um, Boring! So it's kind of more about the fun of doing it than about the actual objective. Uh, But of course, this is hacking for men. Hacking for ladies is a bit different uh, and it can be found all over the internet. One good example is uh, learning 12 different ways to tie a piece of fabric. So it can be a scarf or it can be a a beach cover. Or a bridesmaid's dress. Or a bridesmaid's dress, exactly. I actually found out a genuinely good hack. Um, I was cooking dinner for friends. I didn't want to buy the dessert, but I, I wanted to seem like I could make dessert. You stole it. Here's what I did. I bought a box of chocolate muffins. I ripped up all the chocolate muffins. I put them in a baking tray. I scattered some sultanas across it, baked that for seven minutes, made some caramel sauce out of some brown sugar and cream, and then poured it all over it. And then it's just sticky toffee pudding. Wow. It completely works. It's the same thing. Like people were like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's so cool. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg will be sort of on the case to you now. I think you'll be one of his top hackers. After yeah. That. Especially I'm when the number one hacker. It. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Guys, do it. Like, yeah. My favorite life hack is when magazines tell you to exercise in the office. And that's like how you can get your exercise uh, yeah. in. Have a walking meeting. Yeah. yeah. And it's like just sitting there, just lift up your feet like mm-hmm. that. I'm yeah. doing it now and I'm or do your, hacking do your Caroline, and I'm hacking right now oh my god look at you hack Hannah Fuck. is hacking whilst also toning her thighs yep amazing allegedly mm. um, my favourite life hack is if you have a bottle of wine and you don't have a bottle open on you you can just open it with your sense of not being good enough oh wow yeah. very good mm, thank you great so uh, we're all using hacks already then yeah. Um, yeah we don't even need to start coding fine Good. Great. Just watch Grey's Anatomy instead. So, Caroline, you've requested today that I introduce you uh, uh, en France, en eh français. Oui. Uh, un petit peu. Et uh, Caroline, vous allez faire quoi pour le, le prochain segment de la podcast? Uh, Caroline, please tell us 
about your segment for the podcast. Ah, wee oui, wee, oui, mon frere. Um, <laughs> this week, I have decided to cover Les Vêtements de Nuit. That's right, pyjamas, everyone. Ah, but what do the French call it? The pyjama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're just making it up. Um, right, I decided to cover pyjamas this week because I went on a fucking massive Google rabbit hole looking at pyjamas last night. It was not healthy. Like, I was genuinely considering spending £60 on pyjamas. Oh! So I was watching um, the 90s hit rom-com You've Got Mail, uh, which I, you know, do on the reg, and I was noticing that Meg Ryan has the most lovely pair of pyjamas in one scene. And they're like, they're that perfect sort of mix. They're kind of like, they're oversized and they cover her completely, but she still looks quite shapely. And yes. like and like the, the 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 buttons are just so like they're obviously man's pajamas but they look perfect on her. They're tapered. Yeah, the lo- yeah, they're mm. lovely big little pocket, and um, she just looks so cozy, but they also look so breezy. It's the I think it's a nineties thing as well, like those pajamas. Do you reckon? Yeah, I feel like they've been around forever. Every and- film Tom Hanks has been in has had an excellent <laughs> pajama game. Like in Big, he has great pajamas. That's true. Oh yeah. So basically, maybe yeah. maybe Tom Hanks's rider is like nobody shall be on this film and have shit pajamas. <laughs> maybe in his contract, it's like I must appear in pajamas in at least one of the scenes. Yeah. Like, he's such a lad. I bet it is. I know. Like, yeah, just that like, would be something cute he put in his roster because yeah, he's yeah. a little cutie. Like Rita, Rita, show them the pajamas that I mean. <laughs> So I ended up looking at pajamas, and I was uh, going on a bit of a Twitter storm about like about pajamas and what makes a set of pajamas good and shit. I have a lot of very firm opinions about what makes a pair of pajamas good and not shit. Um, chiefly, you don't want the bloody crotch seam to be too near your vag because it gets up in your vulva oh, yeah. Yeah, over the night. Absolutely, especially worst culprit for those are those little pajama shorts. Oh. They get stuck up like yeah. nothing else, don't they? Absolutely. I have a pair of pajamas which have a label just right where my bum is. What oh. the like? Like, and the label just goes up my bum the whole time. Yeah. So How would, why would you branded. design that? It's, there are so many pajamas in the world, and so many of them are wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like they're they're like they have to be that perfect balance between like loose and comfortable, but they can't be so voluminous that there's like too much fucking material yeah. everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, there's like a summer pajama ideal and a winter pajama yeah. ideal yeah. as well. And then there's nightgowns, which is always like you always wake up with them around your waist I was about to say yeah. when you're a nighty, you just feel like really stupid because there's nothing so more degrading than being naked from the waist down which we've talked about before Yeah, <laughs> and that's how you nothing always wake all. up in a in a nighty or a nightgown or I don't know that I've ever worn a nightgown ever I've worn like a long t-shirt does that count? I've got, no. I've got a couple of nightgowns that I've like bought and I'm feeling like, ooh, I can be erratic to bed. And I always just like, oh, why are you tangled in weird places? Yeah. <laughs> or your tit just pops out and just hanging there. And yeah. Just, it's not as graceful as you kind of want it to be. Yeah. And whenever I'm wearing, I've got one from like, this sounds way more racy than it is, but I've got one from Victoria's Secret, but it's just like a little like dark blue navy silk like slip, basically. Ooh, but you're usually wearing weird. it. If you're wearing that, you're usually having sex and there's nothing you want less yeah. than like nothing to catch the you know the post-sex voiceness oh god <laughs> than being uh, nude of leg I know you want to put on you want to go for a wash and put on some like sort of tight but not too tight cotton pants mm. yeah otherwise you just wake up with it all in the inside of your thigh go for your sex way do you not go for a sex way yeah but yeah but like you know sometimes if you're pissed and stuff yeah, I know. I get you. I'm not judging, don't yeah. Um So I was thinking the more I got into this pyjama rabbit hole of looking at like incredibly nice pyjamas, like 
it's weird that we have a particular set of clothing that we wear to bed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's strange that we would... This, this set of clothing that, like, is not really meant to be seen by anyone other than family or our partners. It's weird that we have, like, a specific design aesthetic. Like, yeah. there are definitely acceptable things that we consider pyjamas to be. Yeah, that's so true. And sometimes you go to... You, you just, like, you know, accidentally sort of you're falling asleep in bed in something and you're like oh I can't wear this and then you're like why not <laughs> like, why not or so do you ever true. have like I have so many like uh, like Primark or Gap t-shirts that once I've slept in them once it feels gross to ever wear them as clothes again even yeah. if I wash them yeah uh-huh. they've been like demoted yeah it's very weird for life um, so I looked into pyjamas to see like where it all came from like why would you wear a little suit to bed with a and like a collar and a lapel and like what are you putting in the pocket I bet it was the fucking Victorians well they're in there I'll tell you I'll tell you that so it's kind of hard to know what people wore to sleep in like the middle ages and stuff because obviously you don't really have that kind of data just lying around about what people are wearing in their homes unless they're quite wealthy no one was painting them no one was painting pyjamas, yeah. yeah. But we can basically attest that it's kind of that the classic wee-willy-winky aesthetic. It's like a, a big, long, baggy, tunic thing. Yeah. And probably a hat. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is like... It, if, like Can't forget my bed hat. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so weird how we don't wear bed hats anymore considering how much bed hats were such a thing for so long. Like, there's literally evidence of people leaving their bed hats in their will to people. Oh. Like, it being a really... like No, but like it being like a really esteemed thing that you leave someone because, like, it would have... Obviously, this is pre-central heating and stuff. And as we all know, the the heat in your body escapes mostly through your head. Yeah. So keeping your head covered at night is actually quite important. Um, So people would, like, bequeath their little caps to like their siblings mm, or whatever the flakes of Uncle Eric's skin yeah <laughs> so weird so uh, yeah obviously the kind of early era is very much that kind of big nightshirt weird hat yeah running around with a candle kind <laughs> of aesthetic <laughs> um, but then the weird the weird thing is is that sort of the, the pyjamas as we know them now so sort of kind of like baggy cotton or silk trousers with some kind of a shirt thing going on yeah um that we like everything good it was just pinched off the Indians or somebody do you know what I mean like pyjama is an Indian word it literally means um, leg covering and so loads of British colonialists when they were sent over to India to bloody control and take advantage of all of their fucking assets they were like you guys look cosy like and so they they had these kind of sort of pajama pants, obviously because of the temperature and the climate and stuff. It, like having breathable clothing that you can move around in is a good idea. Wow. And they're like, oh, those are cozy as hell. We'll have those. So uh, the word pajama is kind of derived from Indian words called pajama or pajams, um, that literally meant leg covering. Yeah, it was introduced to England as kind of lounging attire early in the 17th century when they were like, oh, you guys look super cosy. What's going on with your legs? And then they brought it back to... (laughs) What's going on with your legs? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just like one of those typical... Everything in nightwear is like one of those typical like, oh, Britain went to a different country, saw an idea, pinched it, called it their own. Bye. Sure. A lot of them were also adapted from the kind of harem pants as well that you see that are very trendy at the moment. And uh, the sort of trend for nightwear and loungewear emerged from there. And what's really, it gets really, really interesting around the Victorian period, as you suggested earlier on, because 
It's weird about the Victorians because we always refer to the Victorians in this very, very broad way. Like, oh, the Victorians, there, And we kind of just dash off as being very conservative and very obsessed with the body and how much the body should be covered. But, you know, because Victoria's reign was so long, it's actually quite a long period with a lot of different changes happening in between. So there was a lot of, like, moral panic over what women should be wearing to bed. Um, And it's kind of this sort of debate of two different ideas happening. One being like, you know, your bed is like the most thing where you do the most innocent thing that you can do, which is sleep. Like you're like a little angel in a cloud going for a sleep. But also your bed is your place where you fuck. And there's obviously this all kind of Victorian kind of panic around that idea. So uh, they made women's bodies kind of very invisible. It was like kind of thick white shapeless you kind of you have the image in yeah, your head, yeah, right? yeah. yeah of that kind of floating thing but then um as english people and started getting more french influences which is why the french introduction very appropriate yeah. yeah so the kind of idea of sort of lace and you know having it be a kind of a sexy thing yeah and nightwear being something that you wear on your wedding night gets introduced really slowly and there's like this all this panic around like you can't have a woman looking like that in her own home with her own <laughs> husband disgusting yeah so there's a sort of dichotomy between like stuff that's comfy to sleep in and stuff that skanks wear to bed that started with the Victorian <laughs> era and even if you look at it now if you go to any pajama section in like M&S there's like flannels silks do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you're like, well, which is it? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's it's very, very strange if you think about it. Meanwhile, like now, men, no men under, I'd say, 40 wear pyjamas. Yeah, just wear pants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, with the kind of French designers uh, and the kind of lace and the buttons and the silks and all that kind yeah, of elaboration of they happens. they sexed it up. Of course they, they sexed did. it up. Like, that's France's job in the world. Yeah. Just to introduce <laughs> sex to boring cultures. They saw bread and they were like, we can make that sexier. Yeah, and then, like in and around like 1918, this sort of like craze for having like a bridal sexy thing starts happening. Right. So it all kind of booms off from there. But like there's kind of a, to get a bit Germaine Greer and you guys from it, there is an interesting kind of socio-political thing happening with pyjamas in women generally. Because um, there's this really weird trend where if you look in the last kind of hundred years, every now and then we get a trend for women wearing their night clothes as like as their day clothes. Oh yeah, yeah. So underwear as outerwear. Exactly. So like the 1920s version of this um, was like you know those kind of silk shimmies kind of thing. Like if you look at that aesthetic, yeah. it's very much kind of like silky shift dresses yeah, with yeah. the fur thrown over, right? Yeah. Love it. You love it. Yeah. And then again in the 70s, big rise of feminism. There's kind of a lot of floaty caftan type things. So a yeah, lot okay, of kind of nightgown yeah. aesthetics again. Like yeah. those kind of long white lacy dresses. Yeah, like Jenny and Forrest Gump. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now we've got the kind of the pajama shirt as well. So it seems like whenever there's a kind of a spike in women being into the feeling themselves and being into their own independence and speaking more about their personal lives. Do yeah. You know what I mean? Because there is that kind of old feminist adage, which is like the personal is the political. So the idea of wearing your personal bedclothes outside is kind of like the subtle act of being like, yeah, I'm I'm a real person who lives in the world. I exist, like I sleep, I have needs. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of, it's a very subtle thing, but it, it does seem to spike in fashion trends at the same time that like female empowerment is yeah. happening. And I think that's kind of fucking cool. And um, as well, speaking of moral panic around pajamas, like three years ago, there was all that thing about like women wearing pajamas to the supermarket, women wearing pajamas yeah. in the school run. You yeah. couldn't pick up a magazine or a newspaper without women wearing pajamas. This weird panic about oh, like. The school gates. Yeah, it was the yeah. end of like civilization that women were wearing comfortable night clothes out doors it's actually when you think about the mirroring between Victorian society and literally a couple of years ago it's kind of fucking mad yeah like I literally have a list here of legal actions that have been taken against pajamas (laughs) in the last 10 years right in 2006 the Gulf state of UAE banned local government workers from wearing pajamas to work in January 2010 Tesco in Cardiff started a ban on customers wearing pajamas (laughs) But how do they why know? Do they, why like, do they care? Don't like, know. There's such a crossover as well Same. between... January 2012, in the Dublin branch of the Department of Social Protection, it advised that pyjamas were not regarded as appropriate attire. Uh, in January 2012, yeah, a commissioner in Louisiana proposed an ordinance prohibiting people from wearing pyjamas in public and called it, the moral fibre in our community is dwindling, if not now, when? Because it's pyjama pants today and it'll be underwear tomorrow. Maybe it was just like condemning loads of men for wearing what they were to bed because maybe men were just coming in in their boxes. <laughs> well, there is the thing as well because I thought it was a mainly uh, a woman thing, but it was also against that thing about like sagging pants as well. Do you know the whole like kind of like jogging trousers yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, that kind of low waisted thing and the, uh-huh. the idea that you can see like the shape of someone's dick through their pants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, became like a thing as well. And that was sort of lumped in as part of this like, oh God, we're not dressing appropriately. We're not even humans anymore. I think that's a first for the School for Dumb Women because we just had a genuinely like feminist statement and we didn't even make fun of it. I know! I'm proud of it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So for my segment this week, I have taken a listener request uh, from my friend Rosie. Rosie and her mum have asked us to discuss wind turbines and specifically why sometimes one right next to another one is going slower than the oh. first one. Ooh. Which I haven't really looked that closely. So uh, let's dissect the name here. What is wind? Air moving. Mm. Why? Hot and cold. Yeah, she's doing it. Hot and Why hot and cold? Is it like hot air rises? Pressure. Yeah. Hot air rises, carry on. And cold air falls and that creates a shift and that's what the wind is? Yeah. Oh, so Well done, gold stars. Thank you. <laughs> it's the movement of air from high pressure areas to low pressure areas caused by uneven heating of the Earth's surface by the sun. So hot air rises up, cool air flows in to take its place. So that's what wind is. I didn't research what turbine was, but... Um, nah, that's just, like, a, just a thing, isn't it? Motor, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another classic of the School for Dumb Women. When was it invented? China! Um, the year of China. I think um, Germany in the 1960s. I think the Netherlands. I was going to say that for this because of old In the rules. 1710s. It was Scotland. Fuck. In 1887. Well. That was when the first electricity generating wind turbine. Oh, wait, hang on. I was saying like windmills. Yeah. Uh, so are we not lumping them in together? That's much, much more old. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty similar. Uh, so wind power uh, was probably used as early as 500 to 900 AD. Whoa. Um, in Persia, which is present day Iran. Hmm, we haven't had Persia yet. Yeah. We haven't. Tick yeah. them off the chart. Yeah. Ding. We should get one of those maps that you can scratch off. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. China will just be like scribbled off by <laughs> Be through the wall. Yeah. So the first known practical wind power plants were built in Sistan uh, in Persia uh, from the 7th century and they were made of 6 to 12 sails covered in reed matting or cloth material and they used to grind grain or draw up water. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's pretty simple like the wind turns the sails the sails mm-hmm. turn another bit inside and then that grinds something or like pulls something it's all just about kinetic energy which is like the movement energy cool which you would have learned about in real school yes oh great and then windmills uh came to europe during the middle ages uh and first appeared in england in the 11th or 12th centuries they think uh, yeah, so wind-powered things have been around for a while. Uh, and then some clever man made wind turbines to harness the energy. But, like, what does... I've, I've wondered this for ages. How does that... So it's basically like kinetic energy from the sail? I don't understand. Yeah, so the wind hits the... Uh, sails. Arms yeah. of the wind turbine. The sails, the arms of the wind turbine. And they are made in such a way that it creates a little low-pressure pocket which draws air in and then turns the turns the sails. Ah, okay. Cool. 
I always feel like I'm in um, like The Handmaid's Tale or The Hunger Games or something when I when I see those wind turbines. I'm like, oh, they're a sign of the future. Yeah, they do seem ominous, don't they? Mm. They seem like they're part of somebody's larger master plan. It's like, you thought they were for energy, you fools! Yeah, <laughs> they were yeah. aliens. Yeah, definitely. Aliens. They seem like something aliens did, mm. like the pyramids. I think they've secretly been here forever, but they just look very modern. Yeah. Yeah. Which way do they turn? Towards the sun. Clockwise? No. Say clockwise? Clockwise, yeah, clockwise. Oh, they all turn clockwise? Yeah, they all turn clockwise. See, that's not wind, is it? Because otherwise, what about if the wind's Yeah, wind's a way? mad bastard. Like, wind <laughs> goes all over the place. Yeah, no, it does. But the sails are designed in such a way that the wind can kind of only go... It can only make it turn that way. What if there's no wind? You never see one still. Yeah, you do. Do you? you? Do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, okay. So they all turn <laughs> clockwise, but they used to turn counterclockwise, <gasps> like Before old Brexit. windmills. Uh, and then in 1978, there was a new wind turbine blade supplier. There was a referendum. Who decided, yeah, who decided they wanted to do it clockwise. British blades for British people. <laughs> Um, I think it's Norwegian blades, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that sounds very windmill. Uh, they're efficient. So windmill. Scandy windmill. Uh, and yeah, so they decided to change direction and then kind of everyone had to make their blades that way, as far as I can tell. Public demand required that all turbines rotate the same way. As if the public were like, it's too confusing. I don't want some of them to go counterclockwise. <laughs> God. I want them all to go the same way. Nothing makes sense anymore. People just fall in line, though, aren't they? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. If two people on the road have a windmill that goes clockwise, they'll want their one to go clockwise as well, won't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's perfectly good one as anti-clockwise, Carl. Well, maybe it won't <laughs> grind the stuff up as effectively. Yeah. God, we're all nah. such sheep, aren't we? But I don't know. Why were there so many windmills in in Amsterdam? Like, why do we associate the Netherlands with um with windmills? Uh, I guess it's quite windy there. Is it's it? near the sea. I guess it, it is. It's yeah, a famous it port, isn't it? So. Yeah. yeah, windmills are yeah. pretty damn useful. And they, well. they look nice. And the Dutch are stylish, aren't they? I mean, how come like, they are stylish? But like, you know, so Ireland is like right next to the Atlantic. Loads of fucking wind there. I know. Yeah. You I've never are, seen no windmill. You guys are too busy really? having fun. And yeah, we are busy having fun. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but some people hate wind farms. You've heard of this? You've Why? Heard of people complaining about wind farms? Yes, I have, yeah. I mean, I've heard people complain about a lot of things this year, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was dumb. Some people hate wind farms because uh, they're disruptive, as in, like, someone's going to have to come in and build them, and they're going to be using the roads, and they're going to be using lots of, oh my God. you know, I feel like and... there are genuinely people in the world who only see the world in terms of their lifetime. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And they're like, things that in- inconvenience me between now and next Tuesday and that's all that matters yeah and the other one is people that think that wind turbines are ugly like I think they're really cool they look class yeah they look amazing um, obviously one of the really big arguments for wind turbines is they're environmentally friendly but actually uh, it's quite difficult because for example in Germany they built a ton of wind turbines and they're like this is fantastic uh, we have all the wind power now it's very German and then they realise that actually when it's not windy they don't create power. So then they've got to fire up the nuclear power station or like fire up the oh, you know coal station mm. to supplement the Their you know, problematic German fave. national yeah. grid or whatever. <laughs> don't let them get hand, their hands on that. <laughs> and that's actually less efficient overall. Ah. To, su- to, to supplement. Booting it up takes so long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's a bit of an argument that actually it's inefficient and it's expensive. 
but you know i guess that depends on how windy it is they are talking about doing a european grid where you kind of connect up all the power and then when it's windy in England, for example, maybe it's not windy in Amsterdam. And when it's windy in Amsterdam, maybe it's not windy in England. And so you get a more even spread. I mean, this is literally an argument waiting to happen. And it's like that argument in Friends where the girls read that book and the Brexiteers will be shouting, they're stealing our wind. Yeah. (laughs) Britain's created more wind and some of it's gone overseas (gasps) to Europe. We haven't seen the fruits of their wind. (laughs) Fuck off, everyone. I totally forgot about stealing our wind. Just play nice. Fucking hell. I guess, I think the website I was on was maybe a bit old, so I guess maybe the European power grid is either not happening or happening without us Yeah, they probably shelved that one, haven't they? Yeah, just got a lot of shit to deal with. Just David Davis pooing on the desk of the uh, Jean-Claude Juncker. (laughs) Pretty much. One other stupid argument that people have against wind turbines, which I only discovered because when I googled do wind turbines uh, and then it came up with an autofill, do wind turbines kill birds? Oh, yeah. they probably do, right? Well, Dumb birds. (laughs) Dumb birds, definitely. Uh, They do kill birds, but I mean, like, yeah, I was going to say. Like, everything kills birds. Yeah. Yeah, cars kill birds. Yeah. Windows kill birds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Birds kill birds. Birds kill birds. Kill birds. Yeah. yeah. Bread kills birds. Yeah. Yeah. If also, there's one thing we have too much of, it's birds. Also, birds kill people if they fly into a... If they're stupid enough to fly into a plane engine. Yeah. yeah. I'm not on bird's side here. Retribution. Yeah. Too many bloody birds, if anything. Yeah. So, they do kill birds, but actually, someone counted it. They kill less birds than cats. And they kill less birds than collisions with cell towers. I know this is unfair to lump two different ideologies together, but I completely imagine the people who are anti-wind farms are also like the Brexiteers who just want to look over the Yorkshire Dales and see the spotless English horizon. And they're like, see a wind farm and they're like, ooh, the future. They like, basically, yeah. Yes. yeah, they want to be able to sit on a hill and look at their childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what, what like, Brexit, Brexit is. is. Yeah. That is such a good analogy, Hannah Barrell. Thank you. Any Brexiteers listening? <laughs> Maybe we're not dumb at all, guys. Maybe we're fucking smart as shit. Yeah. Let's not go that far, actually. Yeah. No. So, coming back to Rosie's question, why is sometimes one next to the other one going slower? Why do you think that would be? Because one's a woman. <laughs> well, one's sucking up all the air, right? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Wow. Oh, well done. Because wow. I thought, like, me. you see wind and you kind of think, like, wind's pretty fierce. Like, it will just keep yeah, going on it's Beyonce. Path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what would wind do? But obviously wind is energy. Wind is has kinetic energy, uh, which is how it moves the sails. Mm-hmm. And once that energy has been used by moving the sails, then it no longer exists. It's been it's been taken somewhere else. So behind that wind turbine, it's less windy. Yeah, it makes and complete so sense. And so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like in uh, in Superman when he flies around the world and creates enough wind or whatever it is yeah. to send it backwards so yeah. he can rescue Lois Lane. Maybe that's what Brexiteers are doing with oh. sending the world backwards. With less wind. Yeah, we're so full of baby booming hating metaphors. I yeah. Love it. yeah. So good. Love they you. just want to see their childhood again. They do. And they will literally destroy the planet in order yeah. to do it. Well, mm. tough. We're having our new wind and our new world. Yeah. We're Lex Luthor. So, yeah. So, that's uh, that's why it's going slower, I guess. Or it's just not working as hard. Maybe it's not oiled up enough. Maybe it's not getting paid enough. Yeah. Maybe it's the pay gap. It's in protest of the pay gap. 
Who isn't Hannah? Well, speaking of the pay gap, it's time for our smart lesson. Now, as you all know, as ladies, as smart women, you're not getting paid enough, no matter what you're being paid, and you deserve more. So how can you get more? Here are some tips we've learned from smarter, richer women. Alex, do you want to start us off? Hi, Anna. Yes, thank you. Um, I think uh, ask to be paid the same as the highest earning man in your company so that when they inevitably do negotiate with you, it ends up being almost the same as what a man would get in your actual job. So, I mean, you're not getting the same as a man, but you are getting more than you were before. Yeah, start with that as your negotiation point and you can just work backwards from there. Like, ask for more than you think you'll get. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good negotiation skill. Yeah, in life, generally. Yeah. Yeah. Ask for the moon and the stick. Get a stick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another good one is to hint to your boss about new employment tribunal laws and say you feel like you're working in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a subtle threat, but one that should work. And if you are working in Silicon Valley, uh, there's literally no hope for you. So just get out. Yeah, Saz, just get out. Just write a memoir about working in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Honest to God, like there's just, I mean, just start again somewhere else. Another great tactic is to put in a stack of dentist appointments and dress really fancy when you're going out for them and then say, guys, I'm just going for my dentist appointment and then put the fear of God into them that you're going to leave. And obviously, um, having worked in recruitment for a long time, I know this, recruiting people is a really long and expensive process and they probably will save money by giving you an extra few grand. Dream. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got another tip, actually. Sleep with the person who's dishing the money out, dishing the pay rises out. Uh, You might think that this is sort of subjugating yourself to men, but... In that, you've assumed that the financial boss is a man. So maybe you're sexist. Mm. Uh, Another good rule when someone at a job interview asks you how much you think you should earn... Uh, is think of a number and then just double it. So, and that'll probably be fine. That's a good tip. So like 12 and then you double it. So like 12, 12. Yeah, 1,212. Yeah. A a week, uh, I guess. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you're also meant to find out what other people in the same position earn. Um, obviously you, can't you can't ask them. No, no. Absolutely Ooh. can't ask them. It's too British. Uh, too direct, not attractive. Um, so you can hack into their emails to see their payslip if they get their payslip via email uh, or accost them at their house. Another good thing is being like finding something that's overpriced. So like, oh God, that um that Chloe handbag is 400 quid. That's like half my salary. Oh, that's half good. a month. What's your? You know, that's what you do. <laughs> what fraction uh, of your salary is, is it? Is the Chloe handbag? Like How many Chloe handbags make up your rent? Mm. Other thing is like, um, pretend like you're house hunting. Ask people what their rent is, and then just like double whatever their rent is. That's probably the monthly salary. Oh, yeah. It's actually a genuine, oh. genuine tip there. Yeah. <laughs> In London, I mean, if you're yeah, out yeah. That's a very <laughs> London specific thing. Yeah. If you're and also uh, under thirty thing. Yeah. One more that's really good as well. Uh, make a list of your achievements. Do you make your own breakfast every day? Have you sheared a sheep before? Um, do you always put your foundation on before your concealer, even though that sounds crazy because then how does it blend in? Mm. Uh, do you know what primer is? These are all assets that you're bringing to the company that your employer might not know already know about and you should be rewarded for. Definitely. Another good thing is to convince your boss you're already doing a job that you don't have. So be like, well, you say I'm junior office manager, but actually I've been doing the work of an accountant for eight years. And then they feel (laughs) silly and correct me. Okay, so now that we've gone through all the tips, uh, Hannah, as my producer, uh, and as someone I respect enormously, I think it's time that I told you that uh, I may seem like a co-host of this podcast, but actually I've been 
a tax accountant this entire time. <laughs> um, and also, if you don't pay me uh, money for being on this podcast, I will uh, have a end appointment and leave. What say you to that? Uh, well, Caroline, you're currently paid nothing. Yeah. So I'm willing Zero. to double it. Wow. To nothing again. Oh, my goodness. Um, Magnanimous. Even though she's an executive dumb woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you might be able to get a bonus <gasps> if some of our kind listeners uh, decide to donate to us through coffee. K-O-F-I. I'm talking to you now. You can donate. <laughs> <laughs> you can donate three pounds to us which will be spent on studio costs and not Caroline. But eventually uh, me. You know, if maybe. we cover studio costs and then if we cover all the beers that we drink while we're here, then maybe we could buy me like a t-shirt or yeah. a Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Just so I feel valued. Well, I think we're all going to get pay rises now. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Well done, us. Smart women. Yay. Yay. Let's go and bathe in our fivers. Well, guys, that was episode 12. Well done, us. One for each month of the lunar year. And the regular year. Thank you to Harry Harris for doing our excellent jingles, to Gavin Day for doing our logo, to Soho Radio Studios for allowing us to record in here and make it all smell like vagina. Um, (laughs) It's like warm soup in here. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not tell iTunes about it? Because other people read iTunes and it's great. But only give us five stars, please. And if you have any queries, questions or general wonderings and you want the dumb women to investigate for you on a quite shallow basis, please tweet us <laughs> at dumbwomenpod on Twitter. Or email us dumbwomenpod at gmail.com. Or send a bird with a note and we'll kill it. Bye! Bye! Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.